And good morning, Hoosier Nation, and welcome to another victorious edition, as it is, uh, edition of Hoosier Morning After. This is Hoosier Morning After Minnesota. Last night, your Indiana Hoosiers go on to defeat the Minnesota Gophers, 84-79, to to improve the record in the conference to 9-9, hopefully heading in the right way, taking care of business as we needed to. Um, It was, however, how the business was taken care of that made it a very interesting one. Uh, In the second half, obviously at the 8-21 minute mark, Taking, allowing Minnesota to go on a 36-14 to 14 run, cutting a 27-point lead. Minnesota just starts to get hot from three, um, hitting a lot of contested threes, uh, missing a ton of open threes leading up to that point. Uh, during the other 32 minutes of the game, going six for 22 from three. So uh, just a mixture of Indiana letting their, their foot off the pedal and uh, Minnesota just getting hot. Uh, kind of contributed to a very interesting end of the game. I believe as Indiana fans, we're kind of to a degree destined to suffer and uh, just kind of deal with these these different outcomes. And once we think we have something good and and, and something is is looking nice, uh, it gets taken away from us. Uh, I, I don't know what happened in the luck factor in the past years that, that has caused this for Indiana. But uh, a lot of times when we have games like this, uh, it's good to try to step back and get a little perspective on it. And uh, if you talked to me yesterday morning and said that Indiana would win this game, uh, they would cover uh, 3.5, I think was the difference going into this, and uh, would win by five. Uh, it, it's tough to win on the road. I'd be happy with that. I'd, I'd be happy with that win. It's That, however, doesn't dismiss uh, what led up to that and, and what made Indiana uh, – put themselves in the situation that they did. Uh, we'll get a little bit deeper into that and talk about that as we go on. But if, if you're watching uh, on YouTube or, or watching the replay on YouTube, uh, you'll notice uh, a new face on, on, the, on the show this morning. This is Connor from Hot and Cold podcast uh, at Hot and Cold, uh, the, the N, the letter N uh, pod on Twitter. Uh, Connor, thanks for being with me today. Um, what did you think overall? Give me your overall thoughts in the game. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, well, like we said, I think we were kind of talking before uh, we went live at towards the beginning of the game, even the second half, it was one of the best performances. Um, I think I've seen from this team this year. I mean, the defense they said in the broadcast was, you know, a little lackluster to start, but they really started scrambling in the second half. Um, the offense was clicking really from the start. Um, you saw Minnesota kind of come out in the zone, which to me is something that's happened throughout the season that I don't really quite understand why teams would do that. I know Indiana's shooting numbers aren't obviously great, but it seems like, I mean, even under Archie and now under Coach Woodson, they've, they've actually done okay against zone defenses, even when they don't have that top-tier perimeter shooting. It, it almost like they know what they need to do. they got to get the ball to the middle, and then obviously that gets you a lot of open shots. I mean, there were so many open threes from the corner. X was constantly getting open. Their screen in the top of that zone that kept going under, and he really made him pay uh, to start out that game. I thought that, again, he kind of continued that trend of playing really well as he has these past two games. Um, it was good to see. I think he actually passed. I think he's got 124 assists on the season, which is the most since Yogi Farrell, which I thought was pretty interesting, pretty cool for a guy that's 
at his highs and lows this year. Obviously, I thought that he really played well and uh, is one of our most reliable free throw shooters down the stretch uh, as he kind of closed it out for us. But you know, obviously the the run at the end it was that typical collapse that IU fans have seen and are frustrated by. But I'm just glad they ended up with the win, like you said. Yep. And, and X is a, a, a good contributor to that. And, and you dad, yeah, you bring up that, that stat and it is 124 assists is, is best since Yogi Ferrell. And that's, that's great company to be in um, kind of real first one to average uh, over four in, in over four assists per game uh, as well for, for Indiana. Um, what I really like is his decision-making and where his head is obviously going into the season, uh, a lot of the concern with X was his hot head. We, we, we saw a lot of stuff in, in, in pit that he would do. And he, he, we were questioning how many technicals is he going to get and, and how much fire is he going to have? And I was excited to have some of that fire because I, I believe in the past seasons, that's been something that's been missing from Indiana teams is, is that fire, that bulldog, that uh, player that's, that's going to play on that razor's edge. And X has slowly as this season has gone on, has found where that edge is and he has gotten his balance on that edge. Um, the previous game to this one, the Maryland game, I think he played one of obviously his best. I think his, his shot selection uh, was the best it's been. Um, that's been the one thing obviously that you want to argue about him and the way he plays is that he plays and, and tries to create too early in the shot clock or is too eager to take his own shot. And I think he started off a little bit or a little close to that kind of uh, mentality in this game, but um, quickly reined it in and everything. And, and just his his decision making overall was great. There was a, a moment in, I believe, the second half when uh, Minnesota threw a light full court press on IU and X realized it immediately and turned on the jets. I mean, took off with his speed that he has pushed through that press press and found Miller cop uh, for one of his made open threes in the corner. So that kind of decision-making is something that we need from him um, moving forward. Now the, the, now the next thing that's great to see um, a little bit of relief pressure for him. And we got Rob back in this game. Uh, we learned from coach that he didn't practice leading up to this, but he did contribute a, a, cu- a few good things uh, considering that in, in the 10 minutes that he was in there. Talk about Rob and how you thought he played. Yeah, I I didn't realize, or I guess nobody really knew that he hadn't practiced. Um, it kind of seemed like they were just throwing him out there kind of for a trial run, see how he would handle it, um, really kind of gear up for the big game that's coming up against Rutgers. But uh, the shot looked good. Uh, he was 2-4 from three at eight points. He uh, The burst looked good. You know, the plantar fasciitis, that's, that's a tough thing to deal with. There's just a lot of pain management. Um that he obviously has had to deal with and go through. And and you saw right off the bat, he drove right by a guy and jumped up and laid it in. I thought that was kind of good to see. He wasn't hesitant off of that foot and kind of like favoring it in any way. Um, And like you said, he he can provide that relief to X if he's in a stretch where he needs to take a break. Um, He's been playing a lot of heavy minutes lately, so that can only help him. Um, But it was good, especially – it just that defensive anchor uh, in the second unit as well with Trey being out still. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, then talking about our other key points that, that we have in this game is race and trace Jackson Davis um, race was, was hoping for a little bit more from him in this game um, being his 
maybe last game. I hope not. Knock on wood. We don't kind of really know what this yeah. uh, roster is going to look like going into next year. I don't, I don't even want to go into that. That's it could be all over the place. Um, but uh, possibly and most likely his last game playing there at Minnesota um, didn't really put up some big numbers. And then Trace Jackson Davis as well um, had a pretty decent game. Uh, putting up 14 points. Uh, I think race had eight. Um, and then, but I, I want to critique Trace Jackson Davis a little bit because he's, he's been off a little bit in these last couple games. He he does the things to just kind of get the points that he can and, and, and do the things that he can for us, but it, it, he just doesn't ratchet it to that next level recently. I don't know if it, if it's lag, if it's, if it's tiredness. And we kind of saw that, uh, partially contributing to Minnesota getting into that run um, and that one play that they had where they got the inbound play and a little bit of screen action. He didn't quite come out hard enough. Him and X weren't kind of communicating right, and which led to a three-point uh, shot made by Minnesota. What do you think's going on with Trace Jackson Davis? Do you see that too? Do you see those struggles as well? Or or, or do you think it's just tired? What, what do you contribute that kind of thing? Yeah. We've kind of seen it since he went down with that with that injury, kind of landed hard, um, which was probably two months ago, and that really he, he has kind of struggled off and on since then. He's just kind of had some inconsistent play. I can't really put a finger on it because we've kind of seen it his whole college career where sometimes he just disappears in games. And like you said, I thought last night he just – there were times when he showed up, he had some good dunks, and but then there's other times where it's like, where is he? And I think these late game collapses, a lot of the times the players are probably just looking at each other, like who's gonna make the shot to stop this run? Who who do we go to? And I've always thought it should be him. I, I think that he should be the at guy. Least through I mean, he's, him. He's the best guy on the team. Mm-hmm. He's the best player, and I. I, I would I would hope that he would be able to step up and kind of get his touches in the post and either score or create for somebody else. And it hasn't necessarily happened all the time. But I, and like you said, race too. I was hoping he would get to double digit. I think he lost his double digit point streak. Um, mm. He's just been that ultimate glue guy for this team all year. And the numbers don't even tell half the story for him. But uh, back to Trace. I, I just, I, I, I don't really know. I don't know if anybody has a true answer for that because it, there's so many factors. I think he does play a lot of minutes, uh, and that definitely can wear on a guy. But I, I just, it's, it's something that IU fans I think have been questioning and will continue to question probably the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, and uh, because of a little bit of the uh, fouling trouble that Race had in this game, we got a little bit of extended run from Jordan Geronimo, uh, 13 minutes. He was uh, four for five from the field, uh, took and missed uh, his, his typical one three-point shot, which is fine. I It, it didn't come at, a, at the greatest time in the game, but uh, that's in his arsenal, and 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 I, I at least want him to attempt one uh, per game. Uh, made both of, it, both of his free throws and uh, had a dunk that continues to make me jealous of just his raw athleticism and, and what he can do. Uh, as a player, it's just amazing where he took off and 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 put that in like it was nothing. Uh, and then some great D on him uh, from him uh, recovering against battle. Battle was obviously a, a pretty skilled four player. And and you could tell he he went to this play many times where he dribble and kind of 
turn, uh, pivot a little bit and, and try to fade back on guys. And um, he, Jordan did a great job recovering on, on that play. And, and I think battle was a little bit shocked that he recovered and, and, and got a good block in there. And uh, Jordan continues to be obviously a bright spot on this team and, and, and a great future piece to this team. And um, if, if you, if you asked me to put together next year, if I could choose who Indiana's uh, front court would be, uh, I would have him and race uh, hands down, just two real good effort guys and, and, and the growth that Jordan can have in this, in this postseason. Um, those are two great guys to have underneath. Uh, talk about what you saw from Jordan and what you think he can contribute moving forward. I mean, I think he's good for two offensive rebounds a game, at least like, it always seems like he's, he's just got a knack for that. Um, and obviously the, the dunk you said, I mean, some of the plays that he makes are just, they're just jaw dropping. I mean, the last game he, he just slams the ball to the floor and it, it somehow goes in and he, you know, he's got the dunk this game. And uh, I thought the three that he took, I, I want him to shoot those two. I think he, he can make a three if he takes it. I thought he, he did that pass fake. He thought he kind of rushed it, honestly. I thought he just didn't take his time and gather after he did I think the pass he, I fake. think he loves that pass fake. I think we're going to see that yes. a lot. He's got those big hands yes. and those long arms, and he can kind of do that little play action. <laughs> yep. But, you know, defensively, his versatility as well, I, I think – even for a guy that's only probably six, 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 seven, he's a he's a rim protector and he brings that element kind of that that Trace brings. And as you said, race and him next year, if that's the backcourt, would just absolutely terrorize people on the boards. I mean, those two guys. I mean, Geronimo in an extended run would I, I he would I wouldn't even be surprised if he averaged ten rebounds a game. I mean, you see him play thirteen, fourteen minutes and he gets eight rebounds five rebounds and if he played a full 32 33 minutes i mean i if there'd be no way he wouldn't get 10 12 boards game and it, it i would just like to see that i think he's kind of more of a perimeter oriented player i think maybe the fit would even be better um mm-hmm. as far as race being the the typical five and geronimo can kind of space the floor a little bit better for him while slashing at times and kind of getting that same look that race and trace have seen you've seen both of those guys in the paint they're great passers to each other they really set each other up um so that would be that that would definitely be something to look forward to um but i think geronimo could be such a good player he, he's still so raw there's so many things that i think he can improve on uh in his time here and i hope that the staff uh, can develop him well yeah and i think uh one of the best things about him as well with that rawness is that he is aware of his rawness. He's aware yes. of his, his shortcomings. He, he is aware of what he needs to work on and, and is willing to put in that work. Um, he talked about it after the uh, infamous uh, suspension game that he had to play the three uh, a little bit and that it, it showed some shortcomings that he didn't realize were in his game. And that if he gets called to do that, something like that again, that he had some things that he knew he needed to work on and, and, and get better on to, to play the three if, if he was called upon to do that in, in the future. But um, just love the way he can gel with guys underneath as well. And it, it's something that we hadn't seen as much in the when the conference schedule started. But in some of the non-conference games, there was a couple plays. I think we had two games in a row where we have Trace Jackson Davis and Jordan playing uh, underneath with each other. And uh, Jordan was really good at cutting to the hoop when uh, the double was coming on Trace Jackson Davis. And he had some fantastic... 
uh, alley oops from T- TJD uh, to throw him down there. And Jordan's going to be able to throw down a lot of those, and because he's got great hands, yep. it's just he he has those moments where he's out there where he looks like the um, the lost deer. I don't know if it's to say, but uh, it just looks a little confused. Yep. And again, that he's he's young. He's he's on on the eligibility scale. He's a freshman. He is a sophomore uh, by, by years in the program, but he is a freshman and has a lot of time moving forward. And that's obviously what, what's exciting, not only with, uh, Jordan Geronimo, but others on the team like Anthony and, and, and Trey Galloway, but that's a, that's a big, big hole for us to, to fall down and, and we could go on that for forever, but, uh, moving forward on this game. And I, you maybe have looked and seen this, but I'm curious to see if I can, I can stump you with this question. There's a number that surprised me. Who did you think had the most minutes in this game at 35? Did you know that one? The most minutes. Ooh. Don't look, don't look at it. Just, just your guess of who would have the most minutes. Man, that's tough. The easy answer would be trace, but he was, it's a shocker one. That's, that's, that's why obviously yeah, why I'm asking it would be you, him. It, it, it was Parker. Parker Stewart Parker, had the most really? minutes in this game. Yeah, it's it, it's a shocker one to see that at 35 minutes in this game. Um, did some good things. Um, offensively, there's nothing that really sticks out crazily. I, I do like that him and Cop are getting a little bit more action uh, driving and attacking rather than just kind of being those guys standing on the outside. Um, there, this was a good uh, matchup as far as the defensive end for those two guys. Um, their big shortcoming is when the other team has good uh, two and three players that can get downhill. And, and play good one on one ball. Uh, those guys kind of struggle on one on one guarding. But uh, Parker did some really good things in the second half, uh, where he had two really good digs in the post, and and that's uh, one of my favorite kind of plays that 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 players can do. And and Yogi was really good at that. And, uh, Jordan Halls yeah. was really good at, at digging digging in, um, and he got two great steals digging in on on the post players going forward. But um, Talk a little bit about what, what your thoughts were on Parker. The the one play that I can really remember vividly from uh, from last game is Parker coming off that pin down, the double double screen. He comes off and, and shoots the wide open mid-range jumper. It, it just looked, it looked perfect. And they, they've started to run that a little bit more with him. I wish they would run it a lot more because I think yeah. as, as our best shooter, I think that could open our offense – you know, if he comes off that pump fakes and and Trey slips that or something, I mean, there's so many options that could come from that, and it also gets your best shooter more looks. I wish they would do that with Miller too. I think both of them had the capability, obviously, to be the shooter in that play. But I, I think that I, I don't know if because this is just who I am. When they first got him, you know, I'm watch, I watched his highlights at T Martin, and, and this dude's a flat out scorer. Mm-hmm. And last year he didn't play because for a multitude of reasons, you know, it was kind of like, man, I really want this guy to get out there. I think he could be that scorer for us. And this year he, he hasn't really been used in that way necessarily. Uh, he's kind of just been that standstill shooter out there. And occasionally we run these set plays for him. And like you said, he's kind of been driving to the basket a little bit more recently. Uh, I think his aggressiveness overall is kind of, increased um even in the ohio state game i think he he was handling the ball a little bit more and i think maybe that will make him more aggressive as a player but i think getting him more shots can only benefit this team 
as far as him elevating the team scoring wise, but also it could create so many more open looks for trace and race down low as well. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to have a lot more of those, those pin downs coming from him. And it, it's been interesting to see as well that he hasn't necessarily initiated the offense, but we have seen him bring the ball up the court a, a couple time or two as yep. well, which is, is very interesting and, and, and something that he had to do uh, when he was playing uh, last time he, he, he played on, on, on the previous team. But uh, obviously a little bit of those highlights you got to take with a grain of salt because of the Absolutely, competition yeah. that he's, he's playing against in that. Yes. Uh, the, the other kind of big storyline that I want to bring up that, that, that was obviously Indiana was going on a bit of a slump. And when Minnesota had that run going on, we were getting close to that four minute timeout. And it, even, even Robbie Hummel and, and uh, who's the other gentleman, but the, the two commentators on this game. And I, I love Robbie. I gotta, I gotta say that every yep. time. I want Robbie. I want this this uh, commentating squad on every single game. If I could choose, and it stings, yes, as IU fans to say, you like an IU player, uh, right along the same realm of I, I. I hate that I have to admit that Painter is, is a good coach. Um, yes. Robbie Hummel's one of the best. He's he doesn't nothing feels fake. Everything feels honest from him, and and he's just very smooth when he's talking about the games. But he was even talking about that during uh, during that that point. IU, we were still up ten. Um, at that point, but it was weird to see IU, uh, Woody not choosing to call the timeout. And I think in normal situations on other teams, coaches would call that timeout. Um, and I think Woody was doing two things there. Obviously he knew that he had the under four timeout to come should a dead ball happen. Um, but also it shows the NBA side of him, him trusting his players and, and what his theme overall this year has been is trusting the point guards, letting the guys figure things out, letting them run it, find it, get them over the hump, if you want to say. Um, yep. And uh, in that situation, the stress was high, but there was still enough cushion at that point. So I forgive him in that instance. Um, now we know what happens after that and and, and gets a little bit closer and then and it makes a little bit more concern as to him not calling that time out there. But um, what are your thoughts in, in, in that kind of segment and in, in, in that situation? Um, yeah, we've I've talked about it a lot um, with just people in general, IU fans. The timeout usage has been different this year. I think you said it, the NBA style of just kind of letting the guys play through it. You've um, seen rotations this year where he will just go with the full bench lineups at times, which could be a scary sight if another team kind of gets <laughs> hot and they don't really have anybody out there to stop it. Um, that's just kind of the NBA influence. Uh, I, I think the timeout usage, it, it's, it, it's just, it's frustrating at times as fans. Like well, I was sitting there last night, I'll admit it. I was like, just, just call a timeout, just call it in this run. Don't wait for the under four. Um, it didn't cost them this game. So obviously can't be too upset about it, but, there's that fear factor that it will cost them. And if they do end up making it to the tournament, it's it would be very disappointing and frustrating as fans if they're up big in a tournament game in the, in the first four, or even in the first round, and they let a team go on a run and Woody doesn't call that timeout. Um, I'm kind of curious on your thoughts. Do you like that they he kind of lets them play through it? Uh, or do you wish that he would kind of use those timeouts differently? It's interesting because, again, I, I don't mind it in this one since we had that cushion. There's been yeah. other games where I think I, I would have liked for him to do it. Now, 
that's an interesting thing to think about talking about uh, if and when they play in the tournament, he might, he might call it differently. Um, And, and it's something that uh, we not only is, is, is coach Woody learning this season, we are learning coach Woody. We're learning what, what he is, how he calls games and, and how he's going to, to do things in different situations. And maybe the whole season for him, is a learning thing or learning situation uh, for the team up until the tournament. And maybe he brings his hands in a little bit more once you get into those tournament games, because in, in his eyes, maybe those mean a little bit more. Um, so it, it might be a, diff- it might be that kind of situation. We might, we might see in the tournament because there's more weight on it, him call that timeout where he doesn't right now because it's, it's learning time. So that, that, that could be it. Um, we always have to also just because we're impatient as fans, we're impatient as a fan base to want success right away and and want things to be better right away. And we have to realize that this team while hobbled together and, and they did a great job in the portal, finding the pieces and some pieces that were missing, um, is still a flawed team overall and, and a new staff that's learning each other and, and, and coach that's learning, a different, a different facet of the game, a different level of the game. So um, overall, I, that's where I try to put my headspace um, when it comes to situations like this is that uh, coach has just proven that he's going to be a little bit more bullheaded with, 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 with how he wants things done and, and, and building that culture and building that situation of how he wants the game to be. Now, while that is tough to suffer through in the short term, um, we got to think about the long-term games and, and, and what that does for us. long-term gains and what that brings to us uh, for the future. Uh, you get those great point guards that we have coming in and, and how they're going to be able to develop in that type of situation and, and flourish and, and, and could be a lot better in those situations yep. and, and how well now that it's finally clicking for Xavier Johnson, this team looks with that kind of sure uh, team to run. And, and situation it, it runs a lot better now um talking a little bit about some numbers uh, about this game um iu was uh 1.292 points per possession i believe that's some of the highest of the year probably the highest i believe in the uh big 10 portion of the season obviously a, a lot of the shooting was a lot better in this game what are any numbers that stick out to you uh in this game yeah, I thought the obviously the three point percentage, forty seven point six percent was um, was good to see. Like I said, I think there there's a comfort level when this team goes up against a zone. Not to bring up a game a long time ago, but the Syracuse game where they put up I think over a hundred. It was like hundred and ten or something like that. I mean, the the comfort level offensively after they kind of realized what was going on and, and kind of got over the hump and far as far as turning the ball over and not just throwing it right to guys, they kind of figured out how to navigate that zone. And I think ever since that first three or four minutes when they got down, they're very comfortable in the zone. And I, I think they, they really hunted good shots. And I, I think that was something that really stood up to me. And it just it showed the confidence level of and even Michael Durr is a guy I think even in the Maryland game too when they went against the zone that 
they just immediately know right when they get it to the middle, look opposite and throw it to the corner. And there's going to be mm-hmm. a guy wide open. I think I think that's something that teams probably would know on the scouting report, maybe not to do against IU. I think team that definitely struggles to score, um, maybe don't play the zone. Cause like you said, I, th- I think it was honestly the best points per possession since Merrimack, if I'm not mistaken. I think I saw that uh, last night, but yeah, the offense in general, I thought it was clicking almost on all cylinders. Yeah. And that's, I mean, numbers overall, obviously making shots helps <laughs> this team yeah. when you can, we can, when you can put it through the hoop weird, that's uh, kind of the, fundamentals uh when the fundamentals happen uh this team is a fantastic team and and just again the number numbers overall just look great 55 percent from the field 47 from three 50 percent in the first half which is great to see um and uh 70 percent from the field a uh, little bit a little couple of misses in the second half that we didn't want from those free throws from that but uh yeah. it, it just shows with um when you have a good defense that can ratchet down uh good things are going to happen and i think a lot of the things that uh, got away from us in this game, both are self-inflicted, but then we also have to look at how uh, one of their teammates also got uh, just hot and, and, and made contested shots. Uh, Xavier Johnson's hand right in his bread basket and uh, yeah. he makes that shot. So things are going to happen like that and, and situations are going to happen. And um, going to shift a little bit beyond this. Uh, Connor had, had tweeted out before this and, IU, we are we are gluttons for punishment. We are evil, and we do we do this to ourselves, especially around tournament time, where you start to look at games and you start to see, okay, well, Indiana's got to do this, this, and this, and then you also kind of try to look beyond Indiana. So, what do what do teams beyond Indiana have to do that that improves our situation and 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 us winning? And while I think that's stressed a little bit more right now because obviously we're sitting on the bubble i hope to find a future where we don't have to play this game of what other teams are going to do but obviously as as we went back and forth and on twitter uh when you posted this uh, i think that is something we're going to continue to do just as indiana fans even when we are comfortably in the field we're going to look at it as uh what do other teams have to do to improve our seating in it so that being said, obviously sitting on the edge and on the bubble as we are, you've kind of looked a little bit as to what other teams need to do around us. What what what, what are the, some of those scenarios that you've seen? Yes, yeah, so, and even just to that point about talking about the the bubble and everything, um, I've talked to Kentucky fans. They're doing the same thing and they're playing for a one seed, which I think it's it's kind of funny. It's like you guys are fine. Like you're you guys are doing okay right now. We're we're stressing out majorly. Um, but like you said, I, there's, there's three possible finishes here for Indiana for the next two games. They could either go zero and two, one and one or two and zero. um, obviously if they go two and zero, and they beat Rutgers and Purdue, they're solidly in, we don't need to talk about this anymore. Mm-hmm. They're, they're fine. You go zero and two. And like it, it may seem surprising, but Rutgers would be a quad three loss. And, and I think that would honestly that could be the dagger in their season, barring a Big Ten tournament run, which we know hasn't been really likely, isn't likely for Indiana, just hasn't really happened. Uh, so relying on that is is not not something that we as Indiana fans want. Uh, but if they go one and one, like most people are expecting, hopefully they can win on Wednesday and, and then just compete against Purdue. And, you know, maybe they sneak a win out, maybe they don't. Um, but if they finish one and one, they'll probably finish in that eight, nine spot in the big 10. And from the way it would probably shake out, they 
play Michigan, maybe Rutgers, depending on how the standings finishes out. Um, they'd probably still be on the bubble. I don't know if they would need another win in the Big Ten tournament to kind of cement their spot, but I think even then you can look at further scenarios about who's getting the one seed in the Big Ten tournament. Um, if Wisconsin gets it, I think that would be ideal for Indiana fans if they're in that 8-9 spot and then you get to play Wisconsin a third time. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to beat a team three times. And I, I think Indiana would have a sense of we can beat this team. We should have beaten them probably twice this year already. I think that would be a good scenario for them to maybe even win that second game in the Big Ten tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, the, some of the old teams, two of them from the Big Ten – uh, Michigan, which they have a high loss total, and they have a pretty tough stretch uh, coming down into uh, the Big Ten tournament. They've got Michigan State, Iowa, and Ohio State. They, it's very possible they lose all three of those. And I think even if they lose two of three, I would think Indiana would be in a good spot with them. I think Indiana would probably pass them. Um, Rutgers, obviously they play here. I, I think that's, again, everybody's kind of labeled that in as the game. If you win, you're in uh, with those two teams. I think Rutgers losing at Indiana would probably, again, kind of kill their tournament chances unless they make a Big Ten tournament run. Uh, they have Penn State as well at home after the Indiana game, which that's a quad three game, won't do much for their for their resume as far as boosting it. Could only hurt them at that point. Um, trans kind of going to a different conference. Uh, Memphis, they had a big win yesterday. They're kind of a scary team. And while looking at these bubble teams on who Indiana needs to beat out to get a spot, it's also you're kind of looking at potential matchups. And if they're in that first four, I wouldn't want to play this Memphis team. Uh, ever since Tony Bates has kind of left the team for weird reasons, weird scenarios. Um, they've gotten really hot and they've kind of figured out how they want to play. And they've basically came roaring back into the tournament conversation. And they have USF, who has not been a good team this year. I think they'll probably pull one out. Uh, but then they play Houston at home. If they beat Houston at home, they're probably going to be solidly in the tournament. So you can kind of pencil them in. Um, <clears throat> They go into San Francisco. They're another team. Uh, I think they lost over the weekend, uh, which would probably help Indiana's chances. But they have San Diego, who's a quad four game. I think they're in their conference tournaments. So that's probably not going to help them. And then they play Gonzaga. So I think they're probably going to have to make a conference tournament run to kind of cement their spot. So I don't know if they're a really big threat uh, as far as Indiana Indiana's tournament chances. And then the last team, is uh, Loyola lost weekend. I think that was kind of a shocker for some people. Um, they're kind of on the bubble too uh, in the last four in, and they're in their conference tournament as well. So I think they'll probably have to go on a run uh, to kind of submit their tournament chances. But I think it really comes down to it. Indiana's just got to handle their own business. That's what it really comes down to. You win on Wednesday, you're probably in. We're still a little nervous as fans, but they just got to handle their own business to kind of block out this noise. Let yeah. let us fans kind of look at this, but they just they just need to go win on Wednesday. 
And I, and I think they are. I think they've been a good, a good, in a good headspace. Uh, they've got the right coaching staff around them to keep their, their heads on the right way. And, and Dane Fife, I know, helps them a lot with that. And Coach Ya and Kenya are, are, are really good at focusing the guys and everything and, and, and blocking the noise uh, where that is. But obviously, it's going to always be in the back of their head. I mean, X even and mentioned yep. recently that he pays attention to a lot of that stuff and, and use it, uses it as fuel. And we do look forward to the day that we don't have to play these games. Um, but this is the situation we're in. And and so this is the bed we've made and, and, and what we have. But I do like to say beyond what we have seen in February and, and how we have seen IU fall and, and, and the bottom of where they've been, I do like our headspace and where we are currently. We are on the up. Um, guys are playing a lot better than they have been. And uh, we still have a few things obviously that we want to get better at. And a few players that we want to get better, um, obviously getting Trey back will be, will be big. And uh, I don't think we really know when he's going to be back. And um, just like we saw Rob was suddenly here's Rob. And I think that's going to be similar for Trey. Uh, he's got his kind of groin or, or, or thigh injury that he's, he's dealing with and uh, he'll be day to day. He was there. He's always engaged. He's always on the side and excited to see that. But um, this was a game that we needed and we got it. Um, we need to block out how it happened, but, um, moving on to the next one, here we go. Uh, uh Rutgers is going to be a, a big game. We're going to have to go. So let me just get your final then closing thoughts on, on this game while we close out the show. Um, yeah. Hey, a win's a win. Um, I, a lot of people were talking about it being frustrated and everything. You can't be choosers at this point. The, the currency that matters is wins. Um, how you do it, I know the metrics and everything that, that matters to a certain degree, but um, the biggest one is that addition to the win column. And I think going into Wednesday, I think closing out this game uh, was good for them. And they've won two in a row now where your best player really hasn't even played all that well. I mean, he's had in points against Maryland at 10 and 14 against Minnesota. So there, there's that element of if Trey elevates his game along with X playing really well, Parker and Miller kind of getting going from the field. Rob is now back. Maybe you throw Trey in there. Like you said, things could really come together for this team. And I, I think that that's good for them going into this Rutgers game and even into the Purdue game uh, to kind of close out this season. Uh, I kind of had a question for you, though, real quick, because you mentioned Trey. He had been starting. Mm -hmm. Do you think he goes back in that starting lineup? I think I would guess no. Woody kind of seems like he's the guy that would not do that. But Yeah, I don't, I don't think he would just because he's coming off an injury. Uh, yeah. He could maybe work his way back being in that. Um, I think the other thing that's really kind of hinges on that is that is is how the guys have stepped up, who you would yep. go in there against. Um, I think their their play has elevated uh, to the degree where I think you, I would argue that I, I like Trey maybe back in his off off the bench uh, energy boost that that he gives. Um, had these guys not stepped up and had they been playing more as what we saw in the middle of the conference play, then yeah, I, I would argue that let's get Trey back in there in the starting lineup as soon as we can. But because we've been playing, uh, running those pin downs uh, for Stewart and and Cop has has been hitting more of his shots from the outside. 
uh, I'm, I'm less likely to want to push him back into the starting lineup and push one of those guys out uh, because I think how valuable that is off the bench when he gives, when he gives us off the bench. Um, so, yeah. Um, and as I always do on the show, when we, especially when we have someone new, I like to have a moment where you can kind of promote yourself, uh, pimp out what you got going on. Obviously you've got your podcast and everything going. Just talk about that. Talk about your podcast that you guys have going. Obviously, um, you, you do it with an enemy, I should say, uh, yeah. a Kentucky fan, but, uh, we'll forgive that because maybe that'll bridge the gap and, and ask if you guys haven't approached, uh, uh, on the next time you guys do a spaces, I'd be interested to see you guys debate uh, that series happening again. I'm sure you guys talk about yes. that very often, but talk about your podcast and what you do with uh, IU Athletics. Yeah, so basically uh, a friend of mine, uh, we started this podcast about a year and a half ago. Uh, we're both students at IU. Um, yes, one of them, he's the enemy. He's a Kentucky fan. Um, but we, we aren't just a Kentucky and Indiana podcast either. We kind of touch on national stuff too. We, we, we love college basketball and we taught, we, we record probably twice a week now and it's been really fun. Uh, our episodes are also posted onto the Hoosier network. Uh, we've gotten pretty close with Griffin Gonzalez, uh, over there and he's allowed us to kind of promote our stuff, uh, through their platform as well. Um, and we've also been doing some Twitter spaces recently. So be on the lookout for those. Uh, Chad, I know you joined uh, the most recent one. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll probably do those for IU games, Kentucky games, even just in the tournament in general. Uh, it's about that time where college basketball, as John Rothstein says, we sleep in May. And it, it's to the point where everything is – there's no stopping all these games. So just be on the lookout for that. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for being on. You can find him on Twitter at Hot and Cold Pod. That's H O T, the, the letter N, Cold P O D. Uh, find that, follow that. Uh, those spaces will come up and everything. It's always fun to just pop in and listen to those and, and check out what's going on. So that's going to do it, guys, on this edition of Hoosier Morning After. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for being here. Uh, Indiana will be back in action again on Wednesday against Rutgers, a very important game. Uh, students, everyone that's there in Bloomington listening, please get out to this game. It's a big one for them. We need, they need the energy. They need that things going. Rutgers is a tough team and could get things going on us. Uh, special thanks, as always, to Bob Thompson for producing the music you hear on the show. Remember to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And follow me on Twitter at General Chadwick. There you can find out information about the show when I'm going to go live and even ask questions that maybe I'll bring up on the show and everything. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening, as always. And a thanks again to Connor for being a part of it with me. Uh, go out there, guys. As always, go out there. Have a wonderful day. And as always, go Hoosiers. <laughs>